from difficulties, they do so without the comforting words of Christ. They do so on their own. They face the darkness that we all have to go through at some point. They do all of that on their own. But for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, this psalm is a great, great comfort. Now David, I haven't noticed this before, but David changed
If it's going wrong here this morning, sorry, I need some new batteries for this thing. So give me one minute while I get new batteries. <laughs> Sorry about that, the, the batteries went and uh, people can't hear me on, you can hear me, but people online couldn't hear, so. Um, okay, so um, God demonstrated love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The important thing to notice here is where this table is spread. Look what he says here. Well, before I go on to that, um, where the table is spread, this table is spread and God shows his love to us not just in a limited manner the Bible says that he rejoices over you and I really want to get to this first because I love this verse and I want to get to it because look what it says over in Zephaniah it's amazing the Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves he will take great delight in you in you in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I mean, can you imagine what it was like to hear God sing? Some of you might stand there to sing a hymn and you feel a bit uncomfortable singing. You know, singing is not really what you're doing you know, in your life. And it's new to sing in church. And you might get uncomfortable. But guess what? God sings over you. He rejoices over you. When he looks at you, he wants to raise his voice in song. I just can't believe it. It blows me away to think that God rejoices over you with singing. And so on this table, it's this wonderful spread of his love. And he's not reluctant. He's not struggling to give it to you. He just rejoices over you as he pours out this wonderful love on you now, the question I asked before is where is this table spread well the bible says this table is spread in the presence of my enemies now you may think to yourself well I've got people who I don't like who don't like me you know, um, I've got enemies but God is not talking about those enemies in fact the bible says love your enemies and do good to those who harm you. You're not talking about those enemies. God is speaking about our number one public enemy, Satan. Do you remember him? You know, he um, prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Remember him? He's the one who appeared in the Garden of Eden. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the field? Do you remember him? He appeared to Job in God's presence and he says, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Do you remember him that when Jesus started his ministry, Jesus was led by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He's a very active being. In fact, 
Peter turns around and says this. Be alert and sober, mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is active. Satan is seeking after destroying your faith, destroying your walk with Christ, causing you to want to turn your back on Jesus or back upon your faith. That is his target. That is his goal. He wants to destroy every person who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. But here's the thing. God spreads a table right in his face. God spreads a table before you right in the presence of the devil that he can look at you sitting down at the table enjoying the love of God having God prepare a table with joy and laughter and singing all around you right in his face and he is powerless to do anything about it I've got a vision in my mind that the Apostle Paul was sitting down and he could be thinking about the love of God he could be thinking about the fact that God is singing over him and that God has prepared a table before him in the presence of his enemies and as he was thinking about it he gets lost in the love of God and he turns around and he writes for I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, he says, the table is spread for me. The devil is there looking at me. But I have nothing to fear because God is rejoicing over me with singing. His love for me. It's absolutely incredible. Hallelujah. What a God that we have. David is amazed of the love of God. That's the first thing that we find in that psalm this morning. The wonderful feast that is laid out. You might not think that great about the love of God, but I'm telling you, he loves you despite the things you do to make him not love you. He loves you unconditionally. The second thing that I find here in this, on this, um, in this, surf, in this verse, in this psalm, is a gift. You know, at um, Christmas time, um, can you believe it? We talk about Christmas time in a few months, dying. Some is almost done. And, uh, but at Christmas time, as a family, we normally sit around a table and, and um, before the meal, we give one another a small little gift. Around it. It's not the main present, it's just a little token of our appreciation and our love for one another. So before the meal, we all have a little gift that we buy for one another. Um, just a token of our, our love. Well, David is sitting on his table. And as he sits as God's guest, as he sits as the hosts serve him, we read these words. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Now David knew what it was like to be anointed. Remember when um, Samuel in the Old Testament goes up to Jesse's house. 
David's father's house. And he goes up to the house and he says, you know, to Jesse, Jesse, God has sent me because one of your sons is going to be king. And Jesse said, well, I've got seven sons. Surely you can choose one of them. And as they went by, you know, the first son and the second son, Samuel's looking at those big men and he thinks, oh, no, 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 he's not the one. No, 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 he's not the one. He's not the one. And seven men went past Samuel and, and, and none of them was the one. And, and then, then Samuel turned around to Jesse. Jesse, have you got anyone else? Jesse, yeah, I've got one. But he's out in the field looking after the sheep. You don't want to see him. He's out there in the field somewhere. And Samuel said, no, 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 no. We're not going to sit down until you bring this one in the field looking after the sheep. And so they called David. And when Samuel saw him, he arose and anointed young Samuel as king of Israel. Now David knows about anointing. But as he writes in this psalm, he says, God is removing man out of the picture. I don't want the hand of man to touch me at all, says David. No, no, it's not about Samuel. God is the one who's taking up the oil. God is the one who's going to anoint me. And he's not going to anoint me as a king. No, 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 no. He's going to anoint me as his son. As far more wonderful. And that's exactly what happened. When he says, he anoints my head with oil. Now I think about it, I thought, well, what oil is he using? What oil is he thinking? Is he thinking about, you know, um, you know, olive oil? You know, if you go over, I mean, I had um, some olive oil from the vineyard of, of, of John and Maria. There's nothing like it. I'm telling you now, their oil is absolutely fantastic. I would anoint myself with the oil every day. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> But he's not talking about that oil. He's not talking about sunflower oil or vegetable oil. He's talking about something else. David is saying, God anoints my head with oil. But that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In fact, what God is saying is, I'm going to anoint you with oil, David, and I'm going to make you a partaker of my nature. This is what Peter says in um, the Word of God have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature. God says to David, David, you know, you're over there, you're, I know you're a, just a man, but I'm going to pour my spirit upon you and you're going to be a partaker of my nature. What are these wonderful promises? These wonderful promises are found you see in Acts 1.4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Jesus speaks about that wonderful Holy Spirit like this. He will glorify me because he will take from me what is mine and declare it and make it known to you. In other words, God is saying, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit will be given to you in order that you might share in my holiness. How wonderful is that God pours that Holy Spirit, that oil upon David. David says, he anoints my head with oil, but not just David, but you and I can know the 
Holy Spirit dwelling within us, making us a partaker of the nature of God. That we no longer want to do the things that of our sinful nature. We want to do the thing that pleases him in our, in our spiritual lives. We want to be transformed and changed out by the spirit of the living God. David is sitting at his table. And God is his host. And God has laid out this wonderful meal before him. This meal of love and compassion and grace. It's all there for David. And he's been poured with oil upon him. The Holy Spirit is laid out on him. And he looks at his hands. And he sees the cup. And he says, what's happening? My cup is overflowing. Now there's two types of people. I wonder which one of you are. Are you a person that your cup is half full? Or are you a person that your cup is half empty? If you're a person and your cup is half full, then you really are quite positive. You think everything's going to work out at the end of the day. My cup is half full. Or you could be a person whose cup is half empty. It's going down. I don't know what I'm going to do next. Another sip is all over. I wonder which one of you are. I'll tell you what God is. God's measurement is this. God's measurement is this. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. God's measurement. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured onto your lap. God is not a God that is stingy, a miser, some God who who turns around and says, I won't give anything to you. No, God is a God who will give and give and give again according to his word. I like what Jesus said in the parable. Do you remember? Jesus said, if you, um, um, you, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love what Jesus says here to Paul. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How Will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now, I said it last week. I'll have to say it again because different people are here. It's not talking about your material, physical needs. Your new car, your new house. Some preachers put it out and they take people in and they say, no, 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 God wants to give you all things. Come to Jesus. No, 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 no. He is concerned about giving you everything that's in his heart. To make your godly spiritual life grow, develop, that you might be a man of God, that you might be a woman of God, that you might be a man of prayer, that you might be a woman of prayer, that you might be someone who is useful in our society. That is what God is concerned about. He will not withhold from you any good thing, but will pour it out again and again and again. He gives in good measure, pressed down shaking together and running over we poured out into your lap what a gracious loving God that we have so David's at this table and God is giving so much but he ain't finished yet we come to my third and final point the reward so the end of the verse is this surely your goodness and mercy will follow me 
David says goodness and mercy will follow him. Why? Because despite all the wonderful things that God has done for David, David is still a failure. You know, he may have been reflecting on his life. You know, David did not do the parenting thing very well. In fact, he was probably the worst father in the whole of the Bible. David had one son who raped his sister. And because David loved that son, he did not rebuke him. He allowed him to get away with it. David had another son who tried to kill him. And so David had to run for his life because this son wanted him dead. David would turn around and he would say this, I have been a very bad father. I have been a miserable father. I have done things that I'm ashamed of. I have done things that I regret. I should have opened my mouth and rebuked that boy for raping his sister. I should have rebuked that young Absalom when he was a young lad and he wouldn't get arrogant. I was a bad, bad father. When he sits down and he looks at his back of his life and he sees his failings. He looked back at his life and he remembers Uriah being murdered. He looked back on his life and he remembered Bathsheba taking in adultery. He looked back at his life and he remembers things that he'd done and he says, Oh, I've been a great failure. But as he writes this psalm, as he thinks about what God is doing, you think about God laying out this table and the love of God that's on the table. And he thinks about the cup being overflowed. He think about the oil. He stops himself and he says, Surely, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. Not maybe goodness and mercy will follow me. Not I hope goodness and mercy will follow me but no, surely God is going to follow me and he's going to follow me with goodness despite my failing he's going to follow me with mercy despite my sin he's going to follow me and follow me and follow me all the days of my life with goodness and mercy again and again and again even though I fail him he's going to still follow me with goodness and mercy Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but life can be full of regret. When you look back of your own life, there's things that you wish you could change. Things that you wish you could um, 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 rub out. Things that you wish you could uh, say that never happened, but it did happen, a part of your life, part of your story. But David says here, and God says here, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to follow you with a strap or with a stick to beat you on the head every time you remember your guilt. No, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to follow you with goodness. I'm going to follow you with mercy. I'm not going to let you get away. My mercy is going to pursue you until you enter glory. And where shall he dwell? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord.
forever. I, I was, had the privilege of doing a, a wedding over in France. My children was only small at the time, and the, um, the family was so kind to invite me and Kim and the children over to France um, to stay at this hotel. We never stayed at a hotel like this before. It was a really nice hotel. My kids were really small, so they picked up the phone and they ordered chicken club sandwiches on the telephone. And they brought the sandwiches to the bedroom. And they couldn't believe it. We got room service. It's the first time we ever had room service. And they were so excited that we must have had chicken club sandwiches every half an hour being brought up to our bedroom. They were so excited. And you know what? We didn't want to leave. We want to stay there because it was such a lovely place. But even if I bought the whole hotel, I still would have to leave it behind. David turns around and says this. I will visit the house of the Lord forever. No, I didn't say that. He turns around and he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, God is so gracious that when you're his, when you belong to him, he doesn't give you anything temporary. He said he will do something for you. He will do something for you. In fact, I like what Jesus turned around and he says this to disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms, many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I'm not just preparing a table before you. I'm preparing something much more greater for you. I will, if I go away, I am going to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And receive you to myself, that you, so that where I am, you may be also. Jesus turns around and says, I'm preparing something greater than the table. I'm preparing for you a city that has foundations. I'm preparing something for you that's permanent. I'm preparing something to you that I designed. I'm the architect. I'm the creator. I'm preparing something that is built by my hands, says God. But the wonderful thing about this wonderful place that God's preparing for you, as I close, doesn't matter how weak you are as a Christian. You may say to yourself, well, God's going to be ashamed of me. If you are his, if, he, if you belong to him, this is what the Bible says about God. He says this, therefore God is not ashamed to be called your God. He's not ashamed. He has prepared a city for you. He's prepared a place for you in glory and you will dwell with him, not temporary but forever. This, my dear friends, is not your home. You are an alien. You are a stranger. You are just passing through. The things that you have here are temporal, but what God has for you is eternal. And he says that if you belong to me, you're coming home with me. This psalm begins with Jesus, with God guiding and leading, and it ends with him taking you the glory. Hallelujah. The Lord is 
is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Oh, on that table, the love of God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Don't fear. If you belong to him, you will dwell in his house forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, I thank you. Thank you for that psalm. Oh, I didn't do it justice, Lord, but I know your spirit will make that psalm live in every heart and every mind this morning. For gracious God, you want your people to know that you love them unconditionally. You want your people to know that you love them with great compassion and care. You want your people to know that you rejoice over them. You delight over them. You rejoice with singing over them. That even the devil cannot um, deter your joy that you have over your people. Oh God, thank you for this word. We pray that you will encourage your church this morning. We pray that we might go out from this place wanting to follow the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear us, Lord, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, for listening.